0: Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 101 of the City Brew Tours podcast, where we explore the best craft beer scenes all across the United States. I'm your host, Brian. Uh, we're here again to bring you uh, the wonders of another great beer scene, uh, encapsulated in 45 episodes across one month, um, and here to be joined for these Grand Rapidian episodes, uh, joined again by my co host, a real, real flummox of words there. Uh, say hi to my friend Glenn. Hi, hi Glenn.
1: Hey, Brian. <laughs> Great to be here. How, how was your weekend? It was. Since we're joining people once a week here, I should say, how was your week?
0: Week was good. Week was good. Had some good shifts in the tap room last week. Uh, some good weather towards the end of the week had some uh, had a good day at the climbing gym on sunday definitely Very nice. uh had some had some good 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 climbs felt strong felt nimble
1: um yeah how are you doing how's how's your week been oh it's, it's been it's been good i was sort of uh all all week i've been planning towards this something that i do regularly at at my apartment i, I called but do i have some of the few of the beer avengers over when i Seem to have when my beer fridge fills up, and I have what I call a stout palooza. In fact, I, I apologize; I haven't had time to completely clean up from it because I live in a New York City apartment, and the same table I use for the beer uh, is is the table I use uh, for my podcast studio. So I haven't quite gotten rid of all the empties here. So, uh, but uh, or actually, as as we in the beer ventureverse call it, the kill wall. Uh, all the all the beers that we finish, we put them sort of we we marvel on on what we've consumed over the evening afternoon this was the afternoon into evening it was nice people came in shifts it was great
0: uh that uh i mean is it a beer share if there isn't a picture of all the beers that you drink a- at the end of
1: it oh well yeah yeah i didn't know if i didn't know if uh, kill wall was a universally accepted term but that's just i think uh, mike birch was the first one I ever heard to come up with that one and i've i've used it ever since
0: i i don't think i've ever heard that term I don't think I've ever heard that term. uh, He may have invented it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, good for Mike Birch. Good for Mike Birch. Um, Good for all of you that got to drink those stouts uh, and, and those crazy beers. Good for you, Glenn. I don't, I don't get to really tie one on that much. I have
1: three or four light loggers from the brewery I work at. And, and that's, that's about it for me. Well, I, uh, I, I look forward to visiting it one day. Nonetheless, uh, and I'll have those ones there, and then I'm sure you'll take me to whatever other Pittsburgh breweries have uh, the Imperial Stouts that I'm looking for.
0: Well, you know that show, Beer Avengers, You know, people send you some some some
1: beers from time to time to be featured they on do. the show. So maybe you know keep keep an eye out uh, on your
0: uh, keep an eye out on your, your your mailbox there.
1: Well, I would never in a public forum sanction uh, you sending beer through the mail, uh, but if if that if oh. somehow they wind up in a package you send me, uh, certainly happy to have you uh, co sponsor the show.
0: Moving on, we Moving uh, on. Yes. are continuing, as I mentioned, our Grand Rapidian episodes. We are featuring the wonderful city of Grand Rapids, Michigan, on this series of episodes. Tonight, we are continuing the story of craft beer in Furniture City with Michigan's first gluten-free craft Brewery. We are featuring Brewery Nix, which was founded in 2020 and operates a 100% gluten-free production facility and produces beer using non-traditional brewing ingredients such as millet, rice, and buckwheat. We're featuring two beers from the brewery. They're blonde and uh, salted lime. Both with these wonderful, beautiful, uh, beautiful labels here, and uh, we're going to be joined uh, by two guests, two beers, two featured beers, two guests from. Brewery Nix. So please join us in welcoming our guests this evening. Jess Strickland, the founder of Brewery Nix, and Dale Streeter, their director of sales. How's it going, Jess and Dale?
2: Good. Thank you for having us tonight.
3: Great. Thank you.
0: Very, very much welcome. Uh, It's great to have you. We're going to get started off, as we always do here, with our quick sip questions. These are fast questions, fast answers. It'll help to get uh, to know uh, you fast. And I love when we have two guests when, when we do this. So please, answers from both of you. Let's rapid fire. You can both jump in with whatever Jeff, question. Just you go first and I'll follow. Okay. I, I love the organization to the answers already. Okay, here we go. Um, favorite non-brewery next beer.
2: So before I became gluten-free, um, we'll, we'll do that so that more people get it. Um,
0: <laughs> broader. Yeah.
2: Yep. Uh, bells two-hearted and founders reds rye. Those were um, really Underrated a tie there. Speaker.
3: So, yeah, I'm I'm two-hearted definitely, and the seasonal hop slam. Uh, it's a bells bells win for me, but uh, I went to school in Kalamazoo, so got a soft spot for bells.
0: Can't go wrong with bells. Shout out to Larry Bell. Agreed. Uh, um, favorite season in Grand Rapids.
2: Definitely summer, the hotter, the better.
0: (laughs) No fall. I like, I like fall. (laughs) If you had one album you would have to listen to for the rest of your life, what should that be?
2: Um, I feel kind of bad doing a really recent release. um, But right now it's just really, I'm racking it out and it's pink's new album, trust fall.
0: Okay.
3: I'm, uh, I'm, kind of a lower, like under the radar guy, uh Blackwater by J.J. Gray and Mofril. Frill.
0: Oh, deep, deep pool. Um, and, and there's no there's no cop out answers to that. If it's a new if it's a new album or whatever. I think the only cop out answer would be like, I'm going to take now. That's what I call hits, volume, whatever. I think we might have to take issue with an <laughs> it. Is, is that, like
1: that an that? old uh, the whole k thing? <laughs> kato i don't i don't know i'm just making oh they of were the ones, that's that's I, I one was one of hits. those ones you, you know, like you're watching late at late at night saying now here's the hits of the 90s from Oh uh, yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were the ones who were the king of the uh late night yeah. commercials for or just random <gasps> compilations wonderful um favorite place you've
0: ever visited
2: hmm. so i'd love to say the caribbean um it is one of my favorites, but I lived in, I lived right outside of uh, Portland, Oregon for a few years, and I would go back to Portland any day.
3: Mine's a double. Uh, it's uh, Lucerne, Switzerland, and Tokyo, Japan. It's hard, it's hard for me to say one versus the other because they both had unique uh, opportunities, uh, but they were both very fascinating and beautiful at the same time, so.
0: Wow. They both sound very interesting. I have been to Portland and I very much love Portland as well. So I'm, I'm going to favor Jess's answer. I don't know why I'm like picking that. That's not how we do
1: this. I don't know I'm picking favorites. I'm trying I can't to stay, stay very better. neutral here, Brian. I'm uh, I'm a little disappointed in you. Shout
0: out to Multnomah County. Um, our final quick sip question. Have either of you ever seen Bigfoot?
2: Absolutely.
0: That's, very
2: a, that's
0: a very, wow. Yes, please elaborate. That's a very, yeah, yeah, that's creative. the most oh, no, no. There's,
1: there's no
2: elaboration. The answer is just, yes, that's, that's <laughs> that was it. That was the end.
3: I'm going to say I've only seen signs of Bigfoot, but I, I'm quite certain that I was in the same area as Bigfoot more than once in my life. There's this place up in the UP there's, you know, UP of Michigan. It's like its own where separate it's state, where he is. and that's where Bigfoot lives. And I've been to the UP a lot. So yeah.
1: I'm learning so much this month uh, Wonderful in fact, answers. And, and listening to all these and keep hearing the word sip over and over again. I'm just getting very thirsty. So I think, uh, Brian, do you think we should we should move on to the to, to our first beer? Absolutely. Excellent. So uh, so tell me what I guess we're going to start with the uh, with the blonde, with the gluten free blonde. Uh, so what can you tell us about this lovely beer?
3: Well, it's what I'm drinking tonight. It's what I keep in my refrigerator. Um, and that's not a shameless plug. It's for real. I am not gluten-free. I'd like to just point that out. Um, I became a part of this business when it was an idea in Jessica's head. And uh, so I'm one of the investing, original investing partners in the group. Um, and then last fall, I decided to uh, hang out at the brewery a little too much. And she ended up hiring me to take on all the sales. So um, I love the blonde. I love selling the blonde. Uh, because it's a four and a half percent blonde ale that is light and crisp. It's got citrus and honey tones, just like the label says. Um, it's easily become our best seller on the wholesale label. Um, it's, uh, it's a tough competition with double IPA in our tap room, but uh, it's, a, it's a beer that is entry level uh, for people that haven't had, uh, you know, that are gluten free or see and haven't had a beer in a long time. Um, uh, or maybe have never had a beer period um that is absolutely the beer that we uh put in front of them first so um, it's a crowd favorite. It's tasty. You can kind of drink it all day if you want to and uh and I, I just like I said, I love selling that beer it's it almost sells itself once people get it in their mouth they just say it's a it's a done deal
0: it's it it is it is wonderful is this one it of is. the was this one of the original? beers of the brewery
3: believe it or not it was not um, we started our um, distribution before our tap room opened uh distribution started in December of 2021 and there were three wholesale labels that we used uh it w- there was a lager a Bavarian lager uh the stout and the double IPA um after uh right before the tap room opened which was July 22 uh we brewed the Blondale, and we started to Sales out of the tap room only, and uh, which included uh, package to goes, uh, four packs to go. Um, but once the tap room opened, we really couldn't brew that beer fast enough, and so from there we decided to switch out the lager in our wholesale label with this Blondale, and um, it's that was in October, November, somewhere around there, and um, it's it's clearly become our best seller. Uh, in in the whole silly.
0: yeah, I'm I'm very much enjoying this. Super super crushable, really nice citrusy notes. I get a little bit of pear too, and
1: it's it's very pleasant, very wonderful. Glenn thoughts? Yeah, I, I like. I, I agreed. It's very. I, I'm trying to retire at least excise from my uh, from my vocabulary describing beer as drinkable because to me that's just the the basically like saying food is edible. But yeah, crushable is good. <laughs> Uh, I I'm also a fan of quaffable, uh, Ooh, which very much is. sounds smart saying that. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, but it's also, it's like, it's not, it's not a sipping beer. It's, it's a one you can quaff. Uh, and, and, you know, as you, as you said, drink all day at 4.5%, but also it, it it's, it's, uh, I, I always worry anytime something goes too much under 5% that there's a possibility it might be weak, but this has got a really great, strong flavor to it. Uh, yeah, that fruit nice is in. Imp- yeah. Nice body. The, the, the fruit is, is, is in there, but it's not, it's not overwhelming. It's not dominating. It still tastes like a beer. Uh, just really, really nice. I'm enjoying it a lot.
2: I think when we went to um, figure out ways to describe it, um, one of the first words that came out was crushable. So I appreciate yeah. that you guys threw that word out there.
0: <laughs> it certainly is. It's a, um, it's definitely a, a nice lawnmower beer, uh, a, a, uh, Dang, what's the the alliteration somebody came up with? A porch, not a porch puncher. This is
1: interesting to no one other than me. Yeah, Next question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always find it to me because I, I always know, every, even though I haven't, I live in an apartment in New York City for the last 23 years and I haven't mowed a lawn since I can remember. But I still always know exactly what you mean when anyone says, oh, yeah, this is, a, this is a lawnmower beer. A porch pounder. Yeah, a porch pounder. All
0: right, there you go. Um Moving on, though, I'd like to dig in further on the brewing process behind these beers. We've mentioned already that you are a gluten-free brewery operating a 100% gluten-free production facility. Um, most people know that that beer is typically brewed with malted barley, requires malted grains to create alcohol and the multi flavors that we associate with beer. But Brewery Next does things different. Um, using different alternative grains to produce gluten-free beers. Can you talk more about the challenges between you know behind operating a gluten-free facility and what those different ingredients challenge the brew team?
2: Yeah, so um, I'll go ahead and take that. Um, so we're we're a brewery. We use grains, and we we brew those grains, and we we pull out the sugars and use yeast and convert that into alcohol. And it's, it's still beer, but the thing that we do differently because we have to be gluten-free. So most breweries use, like, as you were saying, um, barley, also rye and wheat. And those are the three grains that naturally contain the gluten protein. And so we have to use everything but that, um, so, or anything but that, I guess, um, and what we have found is using ancient grains like millet and buckwheat and then also rice we can get some of those grains malted um there are a couple um there are a couple malt houses in the country that are dedicated gluten-free malt dedicated gluten-free malt houses um, and that's where we get most of our grains from that create the grain bill um and this is something that separates us a little bit from some other gluten-free breweries um a lot of places use sorghum. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I don't, you know. <laughs> there everybody we everyone's just been trying to find a way to make beer more um available to people who have gluten intolerances. And you know what? Sorghum is a gluten-free grain and it's and it's an inexpensive grain. As far as gluten-free goes, gluten-free material is really expensive. So if you want to make a gluten-free beer, that is in the same price point as other breweries, you kind of have to go with, you got to put sorghum in there somewhere or extracts or um, some of those processed um, materials. But so what we, what we are doing, um, what we really stand on is using, we do, we're going back to the um, what, what we saw in, Grand Rapids Beer City, you know, we, it was, it was the transition going into the full grain recipes, not using extracts. Um, And we are, and then again, we're going to hundred percent gluten-free grains. So we're using those ancient grains and we're using rice. And that's how we get our product to taste. Like, I mean, as you get, you guys are talking about the blonde, like you're comparing it to regular beer, which I would like to, I would (laughs) like to, you know, point that out, that that's, that's kind of a big deal. Usually with gluten free beer, it's like, I guess I could, I could drink that, or I guess it tastes okay. Or it kind of tastes like this, but no, like the beer that we are making is, uh, is it can stand alongside any other regular gluten beer, gluten containing beer. Cause it's re- it tastes like real beer. It tastes like real craft beer. And that's, that's our whole platform.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it really does taste like a real beer. In fact, I, uh, I think I've been lucky that most of the gluten-free places I've, I've gone to, well, I have actually, I haven't seen many at all on the East coast. Uh, the best ones I've, I've tasted for, there's a, there's one, uh, in, in, uh, Washington state and I've had one or two from California uh, but, but this, this, it's great that they're coming on the West coast. And also I know you've only been, been in business for a few years, but you have a lot of styles already. Uh, one thing I've noticed in all the gluten-free breweries that I've gone to is that I haven't really seen Lambics. Uh, and I'm curious, uh, are there specific limitations for why Lambic is more of a challenge? And do you have any plans to meet that challenge?
3: I can answer that one. First of all, I am not our head brewer. Um, I'm, I'm a home brewer, probably like quite a few others that are in this, in this podcast. Our brewer, Nick is a, an absolute genius. Um, the, one of the most talented, I thought I knew a lot about brewing beer, right? I've been brewing beer for 25 years. Uh, I, I don't know a thing. All right. I, I, I met Nick and I realized that I don't know a thing. I know how to boil water. That's what I know how to do. Um, (laughs) Nick, uh, Nick and I actually had this conversation earlier in the week. Um, and I said, Hey, you know, got this question is coming up about lambic. And he goes, well, (laughs) I won't give you the whole Nick answer, but ultimately like the true lambics take about three years to really introduce.
1: And that's how long you've been doing this. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) We've only, you know, we're, we're on about a 16 months of distribution. Um, And uh, you know, as far as that lambic style goes, I mean, we have the salted lime is 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 kind of in that sour family. It's not a sour, but it's you know, it's got that feel to it. Um, We're doing a collaboration with um, with a local brewery, a a brewery that's you know, we're very good friends with here in Grand Rapids. um, That's going to have it's going to be a fruited sour of sorts. Um, And you know, so so as far as the lambic goes. Um, Nick said, probably not anytime soon. Um, I think if we, you know, but it's if, on your
1: wish list, it sounds like.
3: It, you know, it, that's the thing about Nick. Nick loves to experiment. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Jessica's gonna help me out with this maybe, but I'm thinking I think we're sitting on somewhere close to 20 recipes that we have in the in the brew house, somewhere around there. Is that about right? You know, and I mean the beers that he's created and the taste profiles that he's put together with the ancient grains is amazing. Um, We've got a Hefeweizen that we only sell in the taproom. I mean, it was, it was spot on. I I put that beer in front of somebody, uh, a friend of mine, I didn't tell him what it was. And he's like, Oh, that's a pretty good Hefe. And I'm like, yeah, Oh, by the way, it's gluten-free there's there's it's made with millet and rice and buckwheat. He goes, you know, and it was just, it, I I can go through, you know, list after list uh, of beer of the beers that he's done that have just been spot on in terms of the taste profile. But, you know, I think one of the challenges in in that is, is, you know, experimenting with the ingredients. We've got a small batch system that we can do some experimental stuff with Um, the stout, for example, the stouts, one of the beers that are in the box. That's the most unique beer we've got as far as ingredients goes. Um, it's a, it, it, it's, we consider it, we don't label it this way, but it's considered an oatmeal style. Um, it's the only beer that we have that, that has oats in it. And our oats come from a certified gluten-free facility. It, it's a labor intensive process to make that beer. And it has the most ingredients of, of all of the beers that we make. Um, but when you taste it, it's spot on. I mean, you can't, you really can't tell the difference between that and a gluten induced beer.
1: I, I do have one more question uh, follow up to that about the, uh, the the challenges, but I I want I saw we had a question in the chat that actually the question I had I saw all of you give each other annoying looks when the question of sorghum came up, but I feel like I'm a total neophyte as far as uh, I'm, I've heard that you you mentioned the benefits of of why people use it, uh, and the question that we're seeing in the chat is is sorghum why I haven't liked most gluten free beers, and and I guess my the question I was thinking <laughs> along along with that is uh, so so obviously we know why some people are motivated to what is the, what are the best reasons why sorghum is something you want to steer away from? What, what are the limitations of sorghum that made you decide to go a different way? I'll give that one to Jess.
2: So sorghum. So if you've had gluten-free beer and are like, oh, that's gluten-free, like, I kind of, you know, like there there's this it, th- what the sorghum does is it leaves this metallic or some people have said tin like a tinny aftertaste uh-huh and it's just that like oh yeah it it it's like a beer it tastes like a beer but it has this like i don't want to say anything negative you know about people using that again like there's a there's a use for it um there it was allowing people to get into the market and to provide a product for people who can't have gluten. Um, and, but we feel like that there's a better way to make great tasting craft beer with, and we have to not use that.
3: No, yeah, we we want the hops to sit on the back of your tongue. Like you do, like you get with any other craft beer and with some of the other products that might be used out there, um, that, that tends to get, um, Like kind of overtaken in the taste profile, like in the the aftertaste, that finish.
2: It gets in the way.
1: Gets in the way. So it sounds like the sorghum is is kind of like makes it the sociopath of beers it can it can make a it, it can do a good impression of a beer what? but yeah. I, well no because because a sociopath they don't they can teach oh. themselves to to express emotion but they don't experience them naturally i don't know may, may, oh, maybe they can, that, imperson-
0: they can impersonate
1: I, a human yeah can, I obviously just okay, didn't say that good impression I, yeah yeah but but they're they're but they're trying but they don't don't quite have the have what's there um, well and and so my this leads right into my follow-up question uh, about uh, since you mentioned about what the challenges were for uh, a lambic, uh, but uh, uh, but since you are committed to to using grains like millet and buckwheat, what styles have been the biggest challenges as far as adapting with those grains? You want me to take this one, Jess? Uh,
3: I, I, I know yeah. how I'm
1: answering this, but
3: I, I honestly don't think there is a challenge. And I, 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 you know, and I, and I'm speaking for our brewer. It's because because uh, of, it's because of Nick. It (laughs) it is. Nick doesn't
2: have a challenge.
3: (laughs) No, we would have challenges, but Nick does not. And really what it is, because, you know, Nick spent enough time this, uh, with this type of grain process that it it takes temperatures, for example. I mean, you know, this isn't a beer. This isn't these gluten-free beers that we make. You can't just go in and 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 grind up the the the, the grains and throw them into the into the vat and, and the mash tun and let it you know you know kind of do its own thing. A lot of regular breweries, quote unquote regular breweries, they can do that. They can kind of set it and forget it. They can walk away for an hour. Nick can't do that. Uh, he's changing the temperature in our grains what three times probably throughout the brewing process. Um, the grain itself is very fine. It can become almost doughy. So he's got to keep a very watchful eye on it. Um, as part of what we use uh, the rice for. I mean, the rice is, is malted and, and, uh, and, you know, gives it a flavor profile, but it also adds some body to our grain bed so that it doesn't just get stuck. And, you know, if we get that stuck sparge and then, and then all of a sudden you're just trying to play with pizza dough. And, uh, you know, so, so he's got a lot of that figured out. He's got all of that figured out. He's like I said earlier, he's amazing. So, you know, now it's just a question of you know, how how do you take some of the adjunct flavors from a from a typical rye, for example, and how can he uh recreate that with buckwheat and millet? And it's all about, you know, what type of roasted grain that he's using and what amount and um you know, in in my mind, I I don't think there's a beer right now that he can't
1: make. So it sounds to me like if I'm if I'm putting words in your mouth here, uh, correct me. Uh, but it sounds like that that since Nick is so good at rising to these challenges, it just doesn't appear challenging when he does it. That he's sort of like he's one of those things where it looks it there's a tremendous amount of effort, but he makes it look effortless.
2: Yeah. Well, and I, someone's asking if Nick is gluten-free Nick is not gluten-free. He is, um, but he is a self-proclaimed, uh, food science nerd. So he, he really gets into the science of everything. And so when he's like, like Dale was saying with, um, you know, how can he make these, these flavor profiles of regular beer with these gluten-free grains. And there was, for example, the Hefeweizen as, you know, Dale mentioned it before it's, our Hefeweizen is amazing. And Nick was like, well, there's this, and I wish he could be here. I wish he could have joined us tonight, but he's like, there is this chemical that's in wheat that there's also some in buckwheat. And so we can get some of that, some of those, some of those same things. Like he's just like saying these words and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but if you can do it, (laughs) awesome great awesome and then he does it and it's just the so and and nick too in addition to him um you know being really into food science he's also had um large production experience working at both bells and founders um for for almost a decade and so he's um we've got a really really great guy behind the reins here
0: yeah i think you 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 guys have given You two have given him due credit, but it is very difficult to brew with these grains. I don't know if people have ever seen millet, quinoa, buckwheat, rice when they're malted and prepped for the brewing process, but they're about a third if I'm being generous, a third of the size of a barley kernel or a wheat kernel. So they're starting out extremely smaller compared to the standard grain in the brewing industry. Mm -hmm. Then they still need to be milled and crushed in. And like they've mentioned already, that can turn straight into a flower. I, ha- I I have friends that own a gluten-free brewery and they have told me about stuck mashes that have given them nine hour brew days where they eventually just had to dump the mash down the drain because it got stuck and they couldn't figure it out. I think what they're doing at Brewery Nix and the, the, the excellence and um, efficiency with which their brewer is doing it is, is something to really be heralded. And I think you're going to see uh, that recognized in the in the form of awards and in medals over your coming years because the grasp over that very very intricate, delicate brewing process is is very, very admirable and um cool I, I sound like'm right. I'm, I'm sagging I feel I sound like I'm towards the end of an interview, but I very we very much have more to talk scratch about scratch the surface right really. uh, well, yeah, let's not yeah. be
3: done, but let's hope you're right
0: <laughs> I I hope so too. um so. Uh, speaking of the other breweries, you know, one of my friends breweries here in Pittsburgh being one of those, there's only, as far as I know, a handful of breweries in the country that are doing beer this way. I mean, not even just the country, the world, there are very few breweries brewing gluten free beer, dedicated gluten free beer using millet, buckwheat, rice, quinoa, and not using sorghum. Um, do you feel like there's a special sense of camaraderie between the breweries and the brewers and the employees that are behind producing these gluten-free beers?
3: I think there's, I think there's an kind of an automatic camaraderie there that, like you said, there there just aren't very many in the United States, at least doing this. Uh, According to our count, there's like maybe 18, 20 if we're a little bit off, but um, you know, they do get we do get together. Um uh we were uh we were invited into that group uh last quarter, um, had a virtual meeting, but we're spread out all across the country. And you know, if we're talking maybe three times a year as a group just to try to continue to grow this market, because why why'd we do this? Right? We did this because we want to offer people that are gluten-free or have celiac disease a great tasting craft beer. We're all in this for the same reason, but, you know, we're geographically so far apart and that makes it a little bit more challenging to have. I mean, we, you know, there's some local breweries in Grand Rapids that are not gluten-free that we're very friendly with. they've been very helpful to us. We have a great relationship with them. Um, Granted, we're not like a direct competitor because of what we do, but we want to consider ourselves a direct competitor because like we were mentioning earlier, our beer isn't just gluten-free. It's a good craft beer that we want to compete with any other craft beer out there. But um, you know, the Grand Rapids community, you know, the, the brewing community is is really tight knit and, and and a great group of people and very supportive. When you look at that on a national level and try to spread that out, you know, from from east to west coast and and amongst only 18. I mean there's there's more than 18 breweries in you know in in a, in a five mile radius of, of us uh, here in Grand Rapids. <laughs> so you know when we when we spread that out, it's it's tough to have that kind of camaraderie. But um, uh, but like I said,
1: there's a group. Lost you there for a second, Dale. Well,
0: I I, I would imagine that they. They almost have to get together and advocate for themselves, and like, hey, 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 here's here's the new things we're learning about grains and the malting availability, and and how efficient the malting processes are getting. Because there is the Brewers Association, and a lot of what the Brewers Association does would be applicable to gluten free facilities, but there's an, a lot of material sourcing information and education that the Brewers Association does that would not be applicable to gluten free breweries. So I imagine just having someone that's a phone call away or an email away to say, Hey, you know, you, you know, anybody else that has millet available could be a a big help when you're doing something that, you know, just a couple other people are doing in the country.
2: Yeah. That, that has definitely been, been a challenge. Sourcing is a challenge. There's um, one malt house that malts rice in the country And there's one malt house that malts millet and buckwheat. So we're, we're really, um, confined to those restrictions. Um, and then when we've, when we have gone and asked for, again, I'm not going to get the wording right, but like Nick has asked for certain data on efficiencies and with certain malts and, um, and the answer that he gets is, is different from what, from what we're getting, or it's very limited. And it's just like, okay, so there's not like, there's just, there's just not enough data out there, or there's not enough consistency where we can, where he, again, like him with his science mind, like wanting these numbers to be able to plug into a recipe to have a very specific output. That is a, that seems to be a challenge.
1: I'm just imagining the phone calls going out, and and uh, you're really trying to get the, the stuff you need, and people saying, "Well, oh, we can get you some sorghum." I just imagine that that being part of like, No, nope, sorry, that's we, no. We told you last time. Uh, no, no more sorghum. Uh, speaking of all these great beers, uh, why don't we uh, get into our our second beer here? What can you tell us about great this uh, salted lime?
3: Uh, the salted lime is uh, it's our first seasonal launch on the wholesale side of things. Um, it was a beer that we offered in the tap room last year. Um, it did very, very well. Um, it is a uh, it's a variation of our blonde ale, so it still sits in at four and a half percent. Really, quite, quite honestly, it sounds very simple, but it's our blonde ale with some salt and lime in it. okay <laughs> Now, you know, depending on your palate, um some people get more salt in in that beer, and some people get more lime.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm getting more lime uh, initially myself. I feel if if there were more salt, I would be tempted to think of this as more of a of a. When I hear salted lime, the first thing I think of is a goza. But yeah, this is this is more of like a lime blonde ale. That that's a perfect description. Glenn, I assumed it was a goza. <laughs> me too. Until until <laughs> yeah. I heard him describe it that way, yeah. I thought, oh, I'm I'm looking forward to this goza because it reminds me of so many of those, uh, you know, like a, like, a, like a Margarita goza. But this is this is its own thing.
0: Yeah, I get I get the lime on the nose and then the the salt really comes through in the finish and makes for a just a wonderful cohesive drinking experience from start it's to finish.
2: It's a it's a great summer summer beer, nice and refreshing. Um I love throwing in a shot of tequila if I'm feeling up to it.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> I have That's another a-
1: can. Uh, that's what I'm doing with the next can. Oh, good for you, Brian. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's a good move. <laughs> can you, can you, this is yeah. It's the only way you can get one of these in uh, in Pennsylvania right now, I guess.
3: And I'll apologize for keep cutting out. My kids have gotten home, um, so they are. I think they're taking over my signal here. Um, How dare they? I know.
0: And <laughs> the 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 family Wi-Fi can't support online gaming and online podcasting.
3: It's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I've I've just been blown away by the labels on both of these beers. And and we have mentioned, I, I, Jess or Dale mentioned, we also have the Stout coming up later this month, which has a beautiful label to it. Um, but the design is striking and eye-catching, and I believe there's some symbolism to the artistic choices. Can you elaborate on these labels and how they tie into the overall brand of brewery next?
2: First of all, Nyx, Goddess us Nix. Um, she she is our namesake. She is our mascot. Um, we I I came across the name um, or I came across Goddess Nyx. I was reading a book and saw our name, and I was like, oh, that's a fun a fun plan. The word Nyx meaning without, and um, since obviously we you know we grew we brew everything without gluten and, um, and the, f- the feminine characteristic, I thought that'd be great for the brewery. Um, then I looked into her and who she was and found that she was the goddess of death and darkness and chaos. I was like, oh, maybe not, <laughs> right? Maybe not the best mascot um, for the brewery here. Um, and then I slept on it and um, I started to actually feel a kinship with her, um, with the gluten-free lifestyle, honestly. Um, As a gluten-free person, it's really, life just becomes a lot harder. So much of our food, so much of the American food, um, you know, you you have gluten with cereal and snacks and sandwiches and pasta. And it's just like all day long, all of our meals, so many of our meals and so much of our food has gluten in it. And then when you have to completely cut all of that out, it's just like, it's a, it's a bit of a whirlwind. Um, and it's stressful. And then you have people around you, family, friends who may not always understand, and who can make you feel like you're high maintenance when you're just trying to take care of yourself, trying to be healthy, make, make healthy choices. Um, when, When I went gluten-free about um, 13 years ago, I felt ostracized. Um, And because of that, I decided not to go out to restaurants. I I, like detached myself from a whole group of friends that I had made. um, And that was like right after college. And I was an introvert. So it was like really big deal for me to have all these friends who all worked at founders by the way. (laughs) And then I had to, then I couldn't have, I couldn't drink founder's beer anymore. And so I, um, I really self isolated. um, And, and so one thing about another thing about goddess Nix is she was so, she was so dark and what appeared to be like dangerous. She was very powerful Um, because of these things, she was greatly feared and she was cast away down to Hades to live out eternity. Um, And so that, that was really like, again, there were, there were these parallels. It's like, you know, I, I felt ostracized. I self isolated. um, And for reasons that like for her, it was death, darkness, and chaos. These things that are that society and our culture has deemed to be evil things and bad and negative where gluten free feels very similar like gluten free is it's different it's um and so people are uncomfortable and it scares people or or um or i mean fearful is a strong word but to a sense yeah it's it's different and so they don't like it they'd rather not be around it um and so again, there was there was that kinship there. And so we decided, or I decided on the name Brewery Nix. And then I was early on, I was connected with um a marketing company, the Distillery Project outside of or they're in Chicago. Um they really they helped me so much to bring this character to life and to create this Nix. For the brand who is the woman that you see on the can today the goddess that you see and um one thing that I really really love about her is her skin is reflective and that was a choice um that I made because it was actually kind of a fluke with our with our printer um it wasn't supposed to be that way happy <laughs> it was one of the proofs that I got and it was like oh ooh oops, but here's the proof anyway. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's it. It's
0: pretty cool.
2: Yeah. And it's, so her reflective skin, um, it's, it's reflective. So it allows you to see yourself in her and to, you know, we can all relate to that, you know, whether it's gluten-free or something else, everybody's got things that they feel shame about or aren't comfortable with. And, um, you know, this is, this is something that it, she represents being different and being like being a force upon oneself. And these are things that at Brewery Next, we embrace, we choose to embrace those things. That, and
1: that it's just so funny because the, the, the phrase that kept going through my head as I heard you describe this was embrace the chaos. That's just what I kept thinking with the, yeah. the, like, that should be your, you know, the, the, the slogan embrace the chaos. I Absolutely.
2: Like I love it. Yes. We are all about, you know, I always say embrace, embrace your Knicks, <clears throat> but embrace the chaos. Absolutely. That's exactly. Absolutely. Cause we all have it. <laughs> Absolutely. We <And, laughs>
3: all have chaos
1: somewhere in our life. right? And, and the other thing that was occurring to me was the whole idea of like, when you talk about something that is, is a feature, not a bug. The thing that you know, you describe the gluten-free as, as, as a bug, but no, actually it's a feature because it's allowing you to create these, these really great beers. Uh, but I, I am curious about how, you know, people who, who, who need to find gluten-free uh, beer are going to find this, but how does a brewery focusing on gluten-free beers educate the public to the fact that these beers are really just great beers, phenomenal for everyone?
3: Well, you know, that's, that's, that's part of my that's that's this is what's near and dear to me. Um I'm a retired school teacher. That was my my former gig uh before okay. I did before I jumped into this. Um so you know the education piece is is something that I've really embraced. And but I but I need to sidebar real quick because you know, Jessica, she she puts um uh, this this relationship with with goddess Nix. And, and you hear all the darkness and chaos and that people feared her and, and, and we don't fear Jessica. We love, we love that she is fierce. And that is why we are doing what we're doing is because, uh, she's staying the course and she is a fighter and, and she leads our team. She, she's, she's the one that makes all of our wheels go around. So I know I'm trying not to make you cry, but it's true. Uh, but I just want to make sure, you know, everybody understood that, um, you know, and in, in, in the education piece, I, I do everything in my power to get her in front of people. Right. This is this is part of my job is to do everything in my power to get her in front of people, because when people hear her story, they care a little bit more about drinking this beer. And that's the thing. If we can get people to drink this beer, just try it. I mean, give me a two ounce sample, please, because as soon as they do, they realize, whoa. And that was, by the way, when I tasted the blonde for the first time uh, last summer, that was my reaction. I was like, whoa, that doesn't taste any different than a Blondale to me that is anywhere else on the market. So from an education piece, the challenge that we have is, as we mentioned before, people have have this preconceived notion of what a gluten -free, free beer is supposed to taste like. Um, they have this thing in their head. If they've tasted it before uh, from a sales perspective, I ask them if they've ever had a gluten-free beer before, if they say, yes, I say, okay, that's not what we do. If they say no, then I say, <laughs> great. Now I've got a blank, uh, now I got a blank slate here. I can, I can, I know where to begin, uh, with this. So, uh, you know, from a, from a education, uh, standpoint, um, having, having the tap room open. Uh, that's been humongous because people can come in and they can taste the beers and they realize, oh, I don't have to commit to an entire four pack just to see if it's good. Um, we do tastings, we do festivals, Um, uh, you know, and then, you know, as far as like from a sales perspective, you know, if I, if I, you know, somebody asks me for samples I'll, I'm, I'm the guy that says, okay if you want to do samples, great. Let's sit down together. I'm not just going to leave them on the counter for you. Uh, Let's sit down together because then I can talk about every, every one of the beers. I can talk about what goes into each one of those beers. People realize that part of the story, they're more inclined to accept the fact that this is a really, really good beer, but it's also
1: gluten-free. Excellent. I, uh, I I did have one other follow-up question because I noticed I was looking at your website today and I saw that you're We've got a lot of well, distribution is essentially all over the mitten, uh, but uh, but I'm I'm curious. Uh, clearly, supply chain uh, issues are are a concern as far as expanding your distribution. But do you have any any uh, goals as far as distributing? So uh, we don't have to go to Michigan. Uh, no reason. I'd love to go to Michigan. I love I love travel. I love going all sorts of places. But any any plans on how you can. Uh, be expanding this outside of uh, outside of the mitten uh glenn
3: that is uh, that is you have no idea how well timed that question is
1: actually <laughs> wow so we am uh, breaking news here today huh uh
3: we are licensed in the state of washington and okay. uh so thanks to you uh thanks to to city brew tours and and unboxed um we are looking at our border states to start with here um Specifically, probably our next look is is perhaps Illinois, um, in terms of licensing, um, but we absolutely have a, have a, a plan in place to get outside of the state of Michigan. But we have just we've just kind of went from I'd say, you know, this kind of like this this small little pocket of of Grand Rapids where we had this. A little bit here and a little bit there. We had a couple of accounts in Ann Arbor, and a couple in Detroit, and a couple in Lansing, and a couple in Kalamazoo. They're all about you know an hour to two hours away from us, um, and we just we just partnered with an amazing distribution company, and uh, our we just went like this across the entire state. So um, yeah, I, I'm I would say our, right now our initial uh, our initial product goal uh, production goal is to service the state of michigan because we just expanded out into everything including the uh including upper peninsula um but i would say very likely before the end of this year we'll be putting in place to get out of state distribution in place
1: i'll be looking for it in new
0: york that's great um so we've talked about so much about your brewery, the beautiful brand you've created surrounding this goddess of chaos and how it so eloquently relates to the chaos that surrounds living a gluten-free lifestyle and feeling ostracized because you can't just go and do the normal things that you would. And you, you, you create this brand and create this, these beautiful beers to give people those opportunities and, and, you 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 play this wonderful role in the Grand Rapids beer scene, and and all of this has been great to discuss about. But I want to close how we 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 often do here on City Brew Tours podcast, and that is other than beer, what is something that you wish people knew Grand Rapids for, Jessica. <laughs>
2: Well, Grand Rapids is beer city. So that's a very hard question. <laughs> beside beer, um I mean Grand Rapids is I I grew up here. It's it's um and I've moved away a couple times that I've always come back. Um it's it's very it's done a lot in the last um I'd say in the last decade or so. Just really building up. To, I don't know to be a lot more, um, a lot more interesting. I guess um, it used to just be a downtown, and now there's a lot more festivals and there's art prize. So they're bringing a bunch of like art prize is a big thing that's um, happened over probably the past ten years, where they bring artists from all across the world. To come to this huge competition um and they're just grand rapids has just done done a lot to make grand rapids interesting so it's a it's a great place to visit and uh, but i will not discount um all the access to beer around here
0: (laughs) (laughs) sounds like sounds like grand rapids got cool but like started rolling its own cigarettes and yeah. Doing doing art with with non traditional art stuff like making art out of pallet wood that then that, uh, that, that's that that's that's brewery that's brewery stuff never mind where yeah. the, the worlds are colliding yes but the rec- sure the reclaimed that. community yeah
2: and a lot throw of a, other we can really the vinyl record cool in there. things
0: <laughs> yeah vinyl record yeah it started listening to vinyl record it brought a cross it, it bought a Crosley that that folds up into a suitcase
3: now it this is yeah I'm a transplant I grew up in Lansing uh, I moved here. In 2000, so this is now this is my home. I've lived here longer than anywhere else. Um, I, like Jessica, I can't imagine living anywhere else. I've traveled. I've been fortunate to travel all over the world, and uh, and I just I love this place. I mean, we're 30 minutes from Lake Michigan. We got a great climate. We got four seasons. Uh, you know, we've got the Grand River that runs right through downtown. Uh, we got a vibrant nightlife. We've got several minor league sports teams. Uh, our suburban areas are very affordable to live. Um, it's just uh, it's easy to get around in. Uh, so hopefully it, it's it's it stays a little bit of a secret in that regard. Um you know, we don't have massive traffic jams. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of like to keep it that way. So everybody that's listening, you can come and visit. Uh, be, you know and then get out. Grab a summer grab a, grab a summer spot, <laughs> you know, summer's beautiful here. Get something out on the lakeshore. Um, you know, but no, and all joking aside, it's just, um, it's got so much to offer. And I agree with Jessica, last 10 years, the growth and development, um, not just from down from the downtown area, which is where our brewery is located. Uh, We're located right downtown. Um,
2: we're like a block South of founders.
3: Yeah. So, and the continued development that's happening in downtown and what you'll see, happening in the next three to five years in the downtown area is, is going to be pretty remarkable. Um, and, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's a great place to, to, you know, for me personally, and I know Jessica can speak to this as well. It's a great, great place for me to raise my family. And, um, you know, we've got a, uh, we've got a really, really hidden gem here.
0: That's great. It's great to hear all this about your brewery, and the passion that you have for your, your city of Grand Rapids. Um, we've talked about where you're looking to expand, but currently where can people find brewery Nick's beer?
3: Uh, can I, can I go, can I go shameless plugs here? Can I go, can I go to the plugs here? Oh, This J-S? is plug I mean...
0: section. Dale get is All shameless is. Right. As... Um, yeah. We
3: are in the process. We are in process right now. Um, Three almost four weeks ago, we were in, uh, Meyer. Meyer is a uh, uh, local chain retailer here in Michigan, and then also in our border states, um, and I wow. think Kentucky, as far south as Kentucky. Um, but they're a regional uh, grocer. Um, we were in seven super centers here in West Michigan and along the lakeshore. Uh, about a month ago and we're in the process of transitioning into 111 of those stores entire state.
0: Whoa.
3: So um, that's been a big move for us. Uh, I saw, I saw something in the chat and by the way, I I don't know how to answer all those chat questions, but um, if you guys send those to me, I I don't know, We'll, we'll figure that out a whole bunch of stuff there. One of them was where can I find you in Southeast Michigan? Uh, there, there's going to be a Meijer store uh, in in Southeast Michigan. Um, I don't know exactly which one. You tell me what part of Southeast Michigan, I can tell you what's, what the closest Meijer store is going to be. Um, but uh, we also have expanded into our smaller retail markets, um, our independent um, stores, um, restaurants as well. Um, and that's happening. That's in the process of happening across the entire state. So, Um, I would say if somebody's listening here in Michigan uh, or they've been to Michigan and they have a favorite place that they'd like to see us uh, shoot me an email sales at brewery S A L E S. And uh, I will reach out and I get a lot of those in my day. Um, So I reach out to those, those establishments and, and try to. uh, Form that relationship. So we can, what we, what we try to do with, the restaurants is help people complete their dining experience. So many times people go in and they can't complete the dining experience like pizza, right? There's some great gluten-free pizzas out there. Do you want to have pizza and cider or do you want to have pizza and beer? We think it's beer. So, you know, that's one of those things that we want to do is we want to help people complete their dining experience. Um, but uh, I'd say as far as, as the state of Michigan goes, Shoot us an email. We'll, we I, I. I. I'm happy to answer emails. But Jessica, I told you that Jessica was the was the key here. Jessica did something last week that completely blew my mind, and I'm going to let her tell you how you can go to our website and find out the closest place to find our beer near
2: you. Well, Dale, I think you just told them, so I don't need to talk. <laughs> um we're we we do have a we do have a beer finder like a map um a location of all of our retailers that we that we personally distribute to um under self-distribution and also that our distributor distributes to across the state of michigan um and we will keep that updated uh probably on a weekly basis or as we expand outside of Michigan, I don't know how often we'll get those sales reports, but we will we'll keep that updated as often as we can, just so that people know where to go. Cause it's um it's important. It's a big deal.
0: Thank you both so much for joining us for the show here. Um yeah, thanks to Brewery Nix for supplying beers for the show and for our beer club. As always, if you want to check out Beer Club subscription options, you can head over to shop.citybrewtours.com and explore the subscription options there. Not only are you going to get great local beers from our featured beer scene of the month shipped to you on a monthly basis, but you're also going to get benefits that only come with being a part of the City Brew Tours Beer Club. So head over to shop.citybrewtours.com to see those Exclusive benefits, City Brew Tours operates all-inclusive educational craft beer experiences in over 20 markets in the North America area. I could have just said in North America. Uh, So head over to citybrewtours.com to see where the closest City Brew Tours experience is to you. Um, If you want to continue following along with Brewery Nix's story, I would recommend following them on Instagram at Brewery Nix. That's at Brewery N-Y-X. Uh, For us, check us out at City Brew Tours on all the uh, social media handles. We'll be back next week with our next featured Grand Rapidian Brewery. Hey, can you guys tell that I learned that things from Grand Rapids are ter- are, are called Grand Rapidian? I learned that this morning. So I said it like five times in this episode. I'm, I'm going to make sure I use it the rest that. of the month. Yeah. Grand Rapidian. Grand Rapidian. You nailed it. Wikipedia is wonderful, people. <laughs> just, just, you know, dig in there. Uh, We'll be back next week with another feature brewery from the Grand Rapids area, Broadleaf Brewery and Spirits. And we'll be talking about uh, two wonderful beers from them. But until next week, stay safe, be kind, and support local breweries. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.